0: From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in limited edition Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games.
1: I'm Steven McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha
0: Crowley,
2: I too make nice games.
0: In this episode, we talk with Ryan Brown from Super Rare Games to discuss physical releases for indie games. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. After the absolute Travesty of an intro last week. Yeah. I'm feeling really good about that one.
2: <laughs> Everyone, listeners at home, just get your scorecards out. Um, <laughs> right. For Ellen's intros. Goodness. <sighs> this is a really cool one, I think. Yeah. Because our guest is, it's, I, we have a lot of guests on who do things that we have no experience with. hmm And I think that is kind of sometimes the best shows we do. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited for our guest today. Yes.
0: Hi, Ryan. Hello, hello. I'm equally excited. Hey.
2: hey. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. It's good to hear.
0: Um, thanks for joining us so late at night for you.
3: Like many game people, I sort of live at nighttime. Yeah, it's 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 midnight UK time, but um I usually end up being a bit like two, three like three AM anyway, ah. so Yeah. Steven it's
1: nods along like that's something he does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an early riser. I wake up at five in the morning. So <laughs> Oh um, gosh! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same reaction. <laughs> yep, that's that's the universal <laughs> response. to mm-hmm, Yeah, schedule. understandable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, what you do at uh, Super Rare Games?
3: Yeah, sure. So, um, I am, I suppose, the head of words at Super Rare Games, which is a title that doesn't mean too much. <laughs> um, uh, we all like to give ourselves head of t- names at Super Rare. Um. Who knows what they mean anymore. But basically my, my primary job is head of marketing at Super Games. Um I also do a bunch of Biz Dev stuff and scouting there because everyone has some multiple roles. Because of course small companies. Yeah. Um but yeah. Uh, lots of exciting stuff. My background is from games journalism. Um I do lots of other stuff on the side. Yeah, that's that's me in very short form, I'm sure I'll expand on some of that <laughs> as we go on. But yeah.
2: And so, tell us a little bit about Super Rare Games because I think I think a lot of people have heard of Super Rare Games and was like, oh yeah, they mm. made they do physical copies of stuff, right? But um, even within that space, you guys are unique, isn't that right?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Super Rare Games basically is a publisher of, at the moment, physical Nintendo Switch games. So we release a new game every two to three weeks on average at the moment, oh. and Ooh. usually that's about. 4,000 to 6,000 copy kind of range. Mm. And we really only release indie games as well. Um, and those can be very known hits like Abzu or Worms, um, to lesser known hits like old school musical, um, mm. or the new Mii collection. Mm, okay. And yeah, we like to vary it up a lot with our releases, with those kind of games we're releasing. Um, we have a lot of, I'd say 70 to 90% or so of the people that buy our games are recurring customers we like to call ourselves a bit of a book club so we sort of view it as we have this sort of really nice curated collection of, of indie physical games um, that our physical game collectors collect and then obviously some people poke in and just like the other ones that they, that they want but yeah we're 70 we're something games in at the moment as i say at the moment we've only been doing switch releases um been doing this for four and a half years something like that now so quite quite far in i mean we have some other things we do on the side as well um you know we have like a original digital publishing label we're doing now do uh, another side thing called super Ed mixtape um which again is about much smaller indie games um but yeah indie games physical indie games that's uh that's the long and short of it you
2: this you know you have this catalog and you have these repeat customers it's i'm sure this is something you say internally it's like the criterion collection that kind of model is it's not just about bringing indie games out, but it's that curatorial uh, focus Mm -hmm. that makes that I imagine is an appealing thing for your customers to maybe buy the next one in the series, you know, even if they've never heard of that game, maybe.
3: Exactly. Yeah, very much that. So the number of um, we have the numbers on the spine, basically. So Mm -hmm. at the moment it's 78 or something along along Mm -hmm. those lines. Um, So we do have those full set collectors, the people that will buy every single release we we put out, knowing it's going to be a quality indie game and they don't have to search out there because obviously, um, as I'm sure yourselves and, and a lot of people listening know, Indie Visibly is really hard, right. uh, to, it's hard to sort of get your game seen. We kind of are doing a lot of that legwork for our audience where they just trust our curation process. They trust that the games we're picking is going to be something cool and not every single game is going to be something that every single person wants, right. but you can just trust it is a quality game. Yeah. Um, and obviously our audiences have like the kind of genres that they 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 stick to a lot. And we obviously we know our audiences really well at this point, but we do like to go outside of that comfort zone because we do we don't just want to. For example, action platformers do really well. Really high octane, hard, fast paced games they just do really well. Mm-hmm. For physicals they just do, mm-hmm. and ones that might do not quite so well for our physical audience are narrative, long adventure sort of narrative games, mm. point and click. That kind of stuff. It just right. doesn't hit as well for our audiences for whatever reason. <laughs> um, uh, but we do them anyway. <laughs> so, so you know, they may sell they may sell slower, um, but we'll do them anyway because we just want a nice, varied, uh, varied library yeah. of what we believe to be really quality games, and we ju- we don't want to be known as kind of the action platformer. Company or the puzzle game company or anything like that. Yeah. But we want to make sure it's a nice, very collection still right. and allow new people in because we're, we're still finding, you know, people will find us three years in and jump in,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, even though they've missed the previous releases, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say a very small percentage, although I'm saying we're a book club, we're, you know, I like the criterion collection thing, I'm sure we'll be using that for now are <laughs> we're, 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 we're basically, even though we're that, um, we, I'd say minority of our customers are full set collectors.
4: Mm. They're often
3: reoccurring customers. They've often bought from us before. Yeah. But they're not all necessarily buying literally every single one. Right. Product. Sure. Um, which I find really interesting. Um,
0: yeah. I didn't really think about, I didn't really, I feel like I didn't really understand kind of the value that you were bringing to customers just through reading, you know, reading the website. Because I'm like I mentioned before the call started, I'm not much of a collector. I don't really have much of a collector mindset except for when it comes to plants. Um <laughs> But the way that you're talking about it, like, oh, yeah, it's 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 not just about collecting the objects. It's also the value comes from the curation. So it's almost like a,
4: mm.
0: a wine of the month club or something, you know, like you have good quality content in games that you've selected that are like the standbys. You've got your Merlot or whatever that, you know, people are going to generally like. But then you're also going to be curating some good titles that will push someone's, you know, push someone's palette, I guess, mm-hmm. to keep the metaphor mm. going. That's super cool yeah. and the is they'll all look really nice on the shelf together yeah that's
1: true, <laughs> so <it's-> that's true. <laughs> do each of the games you publish um do they each get the same number of copies created um or does it vary between different each different genre of game
3: yeah it varies so okay. the range is more or less the same so because of how basically the minimum we would ever do really is 4000 copies sure. um and then it's usually within the 4000 or 5000 or 6000 range oh. uh, in increments of thousands because that's yeah. just how Nintendo works mm-hmm. um, so 4000 5000 6000 and it depends on the game obviously how we do things is when someone when we announce a game
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, it tends to be on a thursday and the game will be uh, sorry it will tend to be on a friday we'll announce a game and the game will be on sale the following thursday okay and by the time we've announced a game we will have the game in our office, ah. so it's it. The stock already exists; it's okay. already in our office. Mm. Um, people aren't having to wait like six months, twelve months for us to then go print it. Mm. It's already been printed, so we have to make a uh, a decision on how many copies of a game to make beforehand. And obviously, the more we make, the more that costs us. And we're, we're a small company; <laughs> mm. um, we we can't you know we can't sit on thousands of games worth of stock basically. Mm. But we also want to make sure that there are enough units for everyone that wants one. So it's a really tricky balance in order to pick how many units is is correct. The, the if, Honestly, the worst thing for us is if we were to say, oh, this game, we think it's 4,000 copies. And then when it goes in sale, sell, it sells out in five minutes. Because that says, oh, gosh, like, we could have, there's more of a demand here Like we could have made more. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, it, it's just a shame, really, if that happens. Obviously, we are like, great, it sold out, fantastic. But, but it would have been nice to be able to make sure there was one for everyone. Right. So it's a, it's a tricky balance. I mean, we're really good at it at this point. I would say we're really, we're really quite good at estimating what the demand for each game is based on the, the genre and uh, even art styles and stuff. know it's like there's a lot that goes into what's going to make people pick up a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, how we treat each release is the same. Like Regardless of that like, union numbers, like they all are, I mean, I guess at this point, releasing one every two to three weeks. It's going to be kind of formulaic for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Obviously yeah. it's super exciting. Yeah. We only would sign games that we personally are passionate about, which I think is a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. We don't have any investors or shareholders or anything. So we can just pick games because we, we want <laughs> Yeah. Woo! <laughs> <Yeah.
5: laughs> um,
3: which is, it's a really cool thing to be able to do, you know, like we, there, there are some, there are a few games we've signed actually where we don't think they're going to do well at all, but mm. we've done it anyway because we want them. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but how we treat them is very similar. Like they all have the numbers on the spine. Um, they all come with uh, a certain number of trading cards and that sort of thing. Um, generally speaking, we try and ensure that the full content is on the cartridge. Because um, that's actually something that means a lot to physical collectors. Like um, they want to be in, in, in... There's a few reasons that basically collectors will collect games. And obviously one of them is for us is that curation process. is knowing that it's going to be a quality game. Um, part of it is just that they have a nice collection. (laughs) It looks really good on the shelf. It's consistent, has the numbers on the spines is a nice thing to have. Um, but another part of it is that preservation aspect. Um, the fact that they all know it's theirs, that they have it forever, that 30 years time, they can kind of look at it and pick it up and play it and not have to worry about sort of all these digital ownership, uh, issues and that sort of stuff. But because of that, they care a lot about all of the cart, uh, the content being on the actual cartridge. Yeah. So, what that usually means is, um, games that we release are not day and date. Like, it's not quite that, it's such a different industry to retail physical. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have developers that will sometimes ask us going, cool, we have this game coming out and we'll, you know, we'll be talking and they go, right, do you want to release the physical on the same day as the digital one? And they're always surprised when we say, actually, we'd rather not. I think we'd actually rather release it six or 12 months after that. Um, because A, it kind of gives their game a bit more of a like digitally and they can have a separate beat afterwards, which I think is really cool. Um but also there's gonna be patches. There's yeah. gonna be all that sort of stuff and yeah. our collectors care a lot about having it all on cartridge. Yeah. And obviously we don't we don't um control developers in any way whatsoever. Um so we can't always assure it's gonna happen. There are some releases we've had where they've had sort of patches and stuff after the fact and that's just the way it is of course. Um but we have literally delayed games for that purpose. Like we have Intended to release a game at one point, and then it's moved way later in our schedule because they've told us there's a content update update coming. We prefer to on the cartridge. Oh, okay.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a remarkable mix of like logistics and biz dev, and I mean you you have that audience that it that that you 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 develop your audience so that that reduces some of the uncertainty about releases. Mm-hmm. You work with games mm-hmm. that are already out, and so you have a better idea of their place in the market, and so. Mm-hmm. And then logistically, you do a single short run based on that demand and hope you get it right, which is logistically like less overhead than like uh, uh, doing pre-orders and second runs and and all of that, which I imagine makes it a lean operation. It's all those Mm. things mixed together is so fascinating. Um, What did it take to like develop that? Because you could come at it from any angle. You could come at it from the, let's do short runs because we don't want to break the bank. We don't go and want to go too far in the red or take huge risks on, on the cartridge costs. But you could also say, oh, well, we want to um, make sure that we only do games that we have at least some assurances we're going to sell enough copies to break even. There's like seven different ways you could come at putting together this mix of of systems into the the balance that you've got to make it sustainable. So I'm curious where you started and maybe... Where like how what the first stumble steps were like. Mm, yeah. You know?
3: Sure. Yeah. So I mean uh our origin is very interesting because I mean I wasn't there at the literal very start of it. But George Perkins who did found the company. Uh they they're very young. Mm-hmm. And uh when they were oh gosh, like eighteen, nineteen, they were working at a porting company. And um basically the origin of Super Rare really is that they liked physical games. <laughs> Uh, and, and by the way, you should see my collection. My collection is like thousands of games. So we all are like actually passionate about this stuff. And, um, it was literally just, I would like some games physically that aren't physical yet <laughs> and that's, that's really the root of it. Um, and then yeah, I just signed up this sort of originally it was just very much just a sort of a side project. Mm. Um, they were working at, a uh, as I said, a porting company, they were having to go out and take calls on their lunch break to sign games. In their lunch break. Oh wow! And Literally, the first few Super A games releases, um, literally, was just a total side thing. Huh. The games were being wrapped in like his friend's mum's kitchen. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> uh, and being sent out that way um, before we stuff that. And no, no, people wouldn't have suspected that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I, I don't. You know, we we told the story since, but <clears throat> I don't think they. You know, at the time it wasn't like publicized. Like sure. that's how like grassroots it was. Um, but it was that small and it was, I think George tells a story of how, um, they signed worms. They signed a, the, like the newest Worms game for physical and went, Oh gosh, like, I think, I think I kind of might need to like go and actually like do this now, like go and actually focus on it full time.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and then a lot of the people, <laughs> a lot of the people at the start of the company that were hired were literally his friends and his friends, mums, um, <laughs> <You're> <laughs> which is really sweet. Like the shi- <laughs> the shipping team the shipping team is like just a bunch of mums. Um <laughs> who are still there, still that that's still how we ship stuff. That's okay. that's still how we ship stuff now. Thousands and thousands and thousands of games going out, you know, every every other week. Mm. Um it's just a bunch of mums sitting having a natter <laughs> shipping out all these games and it's absolutely wonderful. It is the best vibes. That's um cool. sometimes to bring in cakes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good. Um but yeah, yeah, how, how it works logistically, like it really is just um, outside of, oh, I'd like a physical of that game, maybe I should start a business. Um, outside of it being that, um, it really is just a matter of, it just makes logistical sense, really. So uh, the sort of games that we sign don't tend to have retail opportunities available to them. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not, the, the, they're not Minecraft, they're not those big indie hits that could sit on a shelf and sell millions of copies. Um, and oftentimes, you know, when we're pitching for, for games, what we'll, we, what we will say developers actually, you'd be surprised that you can, you can probably make more money through our method than having it in the shops. Anyway, hmm. if you're really small indie dev, which sometimes they do go the retail route, mm-hmm. they probably are still selling low thousands. You know, it probably isn't too, too different. Sometimes those numbers, but no one sees it. Cause they're just sitting there on, on shelves amongst hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of other games.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, and so for us, like building that audience out. Means that we can go to a developer and, and have it be just a super stress free exchange for them. Um, generally speaking, obviously, when we're, as I say, like, we're not releasing these at launch. So they've sort of moved on from this game, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they found success from it. Sometimes not. It be, not all of these games are like success stories digitally. And then we can kind of tell them, because we know that we have our audience behind us, um, we're going to, We'd love to do a physical view game. We love this game because we love every game that we make. Um, this is how much you'll get. This is how many. This is how many units we'll do. Mm. This is how much money you'll get. Okay. And so, and so they don't have to worry about it. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah. They that's don't have nice. to.
3: They don't have to sit and yeah, they don't sit and be and and push it and sell it and feel like oh gosh, I hope we're going to sell out and I hope there's many. They don't need to worry about it because mm. we know that they'll sell out. And if they don't, that's our problem and not theirs. Um. I mean, we really like that. We really, really, like that. It is, it is a very stress-free process for the developers we work with. They also don't have to do very much of the work. Um, if, if they want to, they're welcome to do the artwork, but we have our own graphic designer who can and does often do them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the manual, the covers, the trading cards, you, you know, we ask the developers for any assets they might have, um, and utilize those, but sometimes If we're talking to a publisher or something, they you know they're so busy with the next thing that we really don't even get those resources. Mm. Um, All the age rating processes, because even though we sell our physical games exclusively through our website and it's not available at retail, you actually still have to follow the the assets Peggy. You know, you guys at the ESRB. Um, you still have to follow those rules. You still have to get an age rating. Ah. Um, and even if mm-hmm. the digital release has an age rating, you have to get a separate one for physical, almost as if it never happened.
2: Huh. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Yeah, we, um, I know a little bit about that from uh, doing digital publishing. And there's. Um, we'll put this in the show notes because it's really important, I think, for developers to know. It's really, really easy these days to get a, a worldwide age ratings for a digital release if it's a digital-only mm-hmm. release. It's essentially a, a, a short questionnaire. You hit a button, you get your rating in five seconds. No one even looks at it. But if you want to go through retail, you have to do the old process that was invented in the 90s, and that's still around. And so, yeah, I, I, that, I bet that throws a lot of developers for a loop. It's like, oh, we already have a rating.
3: Yeah, yeah. And and it treats us as if it's in retail still, you know, because mm-hmm. that process is designed for these games are going to be in shops and a kid can pick it up. Mm-hmm. But we're in an we're online store, right. <laughs> so that's not going to happen. Um, but it still follows full of those processes. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. Like, we we literally have a staff member whose job is basically that. And to submit games, because again, you have to submit the ROMs to Nintendo again as if it's a new game. They don't just go, "Oh, it's this game. Cool, here you go." You have to go through that whole process again. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, but as I say, it's, we're sending some games in now. It, it kind of comes very naturally to us at this
4: point.
2: Right. The thing I'm admire, I'm, I mean, I've heard you say it a couple of times or hint at it, which is you have this sort of sustainable system. you, you have a relatively like you say it's stress-free, you have an audience, and so you're able to publish a game that, like you said, was not maybe a big hit or was not – because a lot of times these arrangements, these sort of second lives that games will have, are games that are proven winners, right? Then someone mm-hmm. else will come along and say, I, I'll, let me get a little bit of that and help it grow bigger, and that doesn't seem to be your your uh, attitude at all as a company, um, I think, I think every publisher likes to say, we just publish what we love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true to a degree, but yeah. there's obviously business involved, but hearing you cool. describe it, it I, I can really hear that it's not just a matter of the numbers, um, because you've built this sustainable system. So you can grab a, a narrative game that, you know, even your own audience is not going to love a hundred percent and you can have the confidence to be able to put that into the world and to tell the developer, they're going to make as much money on it. Like that's. I don't know, that's such a, a rare a rare thing in this world. And it's cool that you've able to, been able to build that, but also that the you've built it in service of this being able to publish what you want. Mm. And not just being able to publish what you can sell. That's yeah. really
4: great. Mm-hmm. Ah.
3: Yeah, thank you. That's that that's important to us. I mean, as you say, like it's so easy to be uh, to sit here and say all these PRE things and all this, oh, we're lovely and we love developers and we, we get to do this passionate stuff. Um, it's very hard to make people believe that, <laughs>
4: Yeah.
3: Um yeah. but it, but it, but it, it, I mean, as I say, there's no investors, there's no shareholders. We are just a bunch of people doing cool stuff because we want to. And, uh, I think that's right. I think that's awesome. I mean, for us, we just, we come away from a project and there are some games we've signed where we go, Do you know what, even if we break even, that's fine. Mm. Like that, that's, that's almost like our, our, our minimum for anything is if we break even, we're fine. As long as the developer gets paid and we get to bring this cool thing into the world. Awesome. There are literally things we've done at the company before with the expectation that we would break even and we just go, yeah, that's fine. It'll be cool. Um, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, obviously always, we want to make sure that developers are paid and, uh, supported and stuff. That's, that's always sort of our bottom line. Um, our sort of minimum is we need to make sure that developers are paid and Mm. that they walk away having a positive experience. Um, because again, we we do so many games as well that uh, not that, I mean not just for business purposes we want to do the right thing because it's the right thing, um, but also we know that developers all know each other they all talk to each other if we mess up once everyone will know and we nah. we release so many games we can't have that happen
1: yeah mm. how do you so how do you keep up the cadence of two uh, of a game every two to three weeks like how do you do you, you approach the developers themselves or do you I think the developers had said that like they approach you sometimes right. How does that like conversation start?
3: Yeah, a little bit of both, to be oh, honest. Okay, I'd say that most games we've signed, mm-hmm. honestly, are ones that we've outreached for. Okay. Um, I think just because that sort of, as I say, we we really genuinely only sign games that we personally feel passionate about. Right. Even if we if we think, oh gosh, our audience is gonna love this, if we're not that into it, we're not gonna do it because I, I just think we shouldn't. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, so. So that's why most of the time we outreach. But there are absolutely scenarios where we've been contacted and we've gone, oh, gosh, oh my goodness, yes, we should do this. Um, and yeah, so the process usually is whichever way that happens, with the developer emails us and goes, hey, add this game, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'd love to sort of talk to you guys about maybe having a physical release. Or we'll do it the other way. We'll be like, you know, usually screaming. It's usually Twitter DMs, I'll be honest. So <laughs> <laughs> how most of it happens. Um, it's like, ah. I love your game. Uh, A short hike, as an example, one of our one of our recent releases. It should, and you know, sometimes these conversations will take years. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it will be just like almost not negative, but almost pestering this developer, like, please,
4: I love your game so much, please (laughs) let us
3: do it. And uh, occasionally that will work. And uh, yeah, I think I think that passion shines through. I think the fact that it is just personal touch is not just sort of copy pasted. Businessy sounding formula,
4: yeah.
3: Because um, you can't really do that with indie devs. Like you can't just be like, "Hi, business proposal, this much money." <laughs> as like an off, as like an opener. Mm-hmm. Um, with 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 publishers, maybe a little bit more like that. Mm-hmm. um, You know, we've 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 worked with some big publishers as well for over five games on Abzu, and that kind of is a bit more of a pretty standard businessy decision. Mm-hmm. You still care that you're actually interested in and in, invested in what they're doing, mm-hmm. but that's a more Businessy, uh, but but in case of something like a short hike or any of these other uh, sort of more solo or self published games that you, you it's just
4: ah please ah um, <laughs> it's
3: it's how it will start. Um and then we'll kind of, you know, explain those those business terms to them. Even at that point to be honest, we're almost picking how many units we think. Hmm. <laughs> Even in that initial conversation we're like, cool, we think it might be like five we th- we think sort of 5,000 units, we're thinking um you'll you'll get this much per unit, so you'll get this much in total. Um Yeah. And then we usually will jump on a brief call with them. It's pretty casual. Um, yeah, it's actually, uh, at this point it's, it's so well oiled that it is. Um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty not easy process. It takes a long time, but it's a pretty straightforward process. Um, obviously for us with, with so many games coming out as well, we have, uh, a lot of stuff scheduled in advance. For example, our 2023 lineup is mostly done.
4: Um oh, wow.
3: I don't mean like I don't mean done in hand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 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 signed. Like yeah. those games are signed. We slot them into a calendar. We know exactly when each one is gonna release throughout the year. Um that shakes up a lot. Um those are moved around uh, uh people would be stunned by how much our calendar is shifted around <laughs> and by how late no minute it shifts about. Alone. Um but uh but that's fully down to just production times. It's oh gosh, this game submission doesn't pass yet, or this is still in this is still being Producer, or the steelbook for this isn't really yet and everything moves around. Yeah. yeah. Um, we do these things called, uh, triple bundles, which are fully just for our, uh, our, our full set collectors, which are every three games at the start of that three game bundle, people can basically buy the bundle and they won't know what the second and third game are in that bundle, but they can buy it. and, you know, again, like a book club, they don't know what the games are going to be, but they'll know that they'll want them anyway. Um, and that's a minority of our audience. but Some of us do that. Mm-hmm. And We often get asked by them. Can you not just tell us what the second and third game are going to be? And the, the, uh, the genuine answer is we literally can't <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> the production calendar changes so last minute sometimes that it, it might not happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, which is wild. Like, it, you know, it can literally be like weeks before we announce what a game is going to be. The game changes. Yeah, that's, um, that's
1: fascinating because I, I guess I hadn't really considered that, but especially because you value uh, uh, people getting the full full release with all the extra content and stuff um, that our production changes for developers all the time, right? like constantly taking longer and longer to make games. Rarely do games get done shorter than you expect. Um, so I, I imagine, yeah, like having to deal with all of that and trying to schedule all of these different games seems like a, a nightmare to have to, to to manage.
3: Yeah, it's definitely a game of chess. I mean, mm-hmm. even again, using a short hike as an example as well. Um, we released that a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that was supposed to come out a year ago. Mm-hmm. That was originally scheduled for last year for us. Oh, wow. Um, and that one actually wasn't, uh, a, 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 an update or anything like that. It was literally because we wanted to make a book, Oh. <laughs> we wanted to make a book in the collector's edition and it took a long time to make, um, because it had lo- loads of original artwork that we had to commission. I think ultimately we probably didn't even make that much money on, on that, on that collector's edition because the amount of resources, like even internal work hours and stuff that went into that book is ridiculous. Mm. Um, but yeah, loads of work went into that and it delayed the game by like a, uh, a year. But you know, we, we knew it was going to happen eventually. The game was signed. Um, that's sort of the benefit of, of what US I these things can just move about a bit and they're not time sensitive. It doesn't have to come out because of blah, blah, blah.
4: Yeah.
2: So Stephen, you were saying that it's been a little while since we've put something... Um, on Patreon,
1: yeah. Um, well, maybe we're a little stumped for ideas to put on Patreon because yeah. I don't know. Um, we've had it for a while. Maybe listeners should
2: just support us and not expect so much. <laughs> this is true. This <laughs> is true. <laughs> that doesn't. <laughs> but we should probably or. put some new stuff up there. Well, yeah,
1: yeah. There's already good content on Patreon. Don't no, get me wrong. There's, oh yeah, like, some that's fun the, stuff. That's on. The
2: thing about Patreon is like there's so much there now that yeah. like, it actually, if you wanted to join and support the show, you wouldn't be starved for much. Right, right, right.
1: But um, I was curious, listeners, um, what kind of things you'd want to us to put on our Patreon? Because, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways we could go about it. We could maybe do, like, a small deep dive into a really, really specific topic. Um, Like, I could talk about um, combos and fighting games or something. Mm-hmm. No one wants to hear that. Or I do can, they? You can record that all by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> I mean, I could. I don't know. It, it, actually, that'd be interesting if just, like, one of us records something for five minutes rant or yeah, something we're a really a good passionate good place about. place
2: for experimentation but I think mm-hmm. it does need some uh, participation from the audience right? Well, yeah. What do you if you're you know if you're going to throw us some dollars every month and we hope you do um, we'd like your input as to what you want for those dollars. Yes. Other than, you know, just the satisfaction that we can keep doing this program. Right, right.
0: I can always throw up more dog pictures on there.
2: Yeah. Always an option.
1: Yes, that's yeah. always a good point. That's a good point.
0: In fact, I should do that. Yeah. You know what? I will do that.
1: Okay, there we go. Okay. Well, we got one, but we should get more. Um, so if someone wanted to, one, support
2: us, and to give us some ideas as to what they want to see for their support, where how could they do that, Steven?
1: You can go to patreon.com slash nicegamesclub.
2: Well, Steven, we, we are familiar with this a little bit. Um, listeners may know that sometimes our episodes get released, the numbers are out of order. That's right. Because we, we number our episodes based on when we recorded them. Yeah. So I sort of, sometimes I like the idea of listeners sort of piecing together, like, why is there three <laughs> numbers missing? And then they show up eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so because you put the numbers on the spine, you must have that Photoshop template just ready for editing <laughs> all the time. Or do, you, or do you ever release them out of order?
3: Um, we don't release them out of order okay. actually. No, like that, that complicates it further. Um, thankfully that part, the printing of the sleeves and stuff is quite late. Um, okay. it's the cartridge really. We have to worry about the cartridge has, uh that has to sort of come first. Sure. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that certainly has throws a span to the work sometimes where we go, cool, the sleeves with the numbers is already quitted, so that has to be the next release. Like yeah. we have to make this work, um, by that point again, cause the, as long as the, the cartridge is the main thing, printing the sleeves is quite quick. You know, mm-hmm. um,
2: yeah.
0: Hmm. So many different moving pieces.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and all <laughs> it really of, is and all of it supports uh, uh, the, the the ecosystem of the Nintendo Switch, right? And I wanted to ask you a little bit about if you're um like is is Switch only for? I can imagine. I'll preemptly guess what the answer to this is. It could be because the Switch is an indie powerhouse. It could be because Nintendo's just got their act together in terms of, like, independent publishing uh, compared to the other two. They're, they're relatively easy to work with, in my experience, anyway. Yeah. Um, or is it just where the demand from players or the demand from developers who have always wanted their game on Nintendo? I could think of a lot of reasons why. Or really just that your company's not big enough to do all three. Um, I imagine it's the sum of all of that.
3: Yeah, some of all of that and a bit more. I mean, you've hit, you've hit a lot of it honest. us. Um, a big part of it really, um, so we, we initially first started doing Nintendo Switch, it was because again, George, myself, we are <laughs> collectors for the Nintendo Switch games. Oh, yeah. so it was we wanted it on that. Yeah, of course, there are a lot of indies on that platform as well, which helps the sort of writing, keeping consistent releases. Um, but a big part of it is just the audience. Um, there is a larger physical switch audience than on other platforms. Hmm. There just hmm. is by a long, long mile. Oh, interesting. I think there's something very, I think there's something about Nintendo specifically that physical collectors sort of circle around. Um, I think, you know, and, and that, that sort of almost reflects in the sort of genres that do well as well, like action platformers, like the sort of, the sort of genres you would expect to do well for Nintendo consoles mm-hmm. reflects on oh, as well. It true. Um. And so, you know, a lot of our audience, you, we we have a very varied audience in, in gender and age and stuff. But a lot of it is the sort of people that you would expect to be collecting physical NES games, physical SNES games, physical this and that. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of just it just fits in with that. And because other platforms, it's sort of uh, we're certainly never going to say never. We we'd like to potentially explore that in the future, maybe. Um, but what we're doing currently, I think, is always going to be our priority. Like I, we wouldn't we wouldn't. Have like, for example, a, f- a physical PlayStation game every two to three weeks. Like, I just, I, just sure. I don't think that, I don't think there's enough content for us and enough time internally. And I think it's nice if we just focus on one thing and then we're not sort of pricing our customers as well. Um, in terms of Xbox, it actually uh, just physically isn't possible for us. Mm. Um, their minimum order quantities are like
2: twenty to thirty thousand units or something. Oh, like that. oh wow! Wow. Um,
3: huh. So they, it actually just literally is impossible. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. That's sort of interesting because with the Xbox, like Xbox is pretty indie friendly these days. Yeah, partly because they're in second place, <laughs> so whoever's in second place gets to be indie friendly. This yeah. yeah, but I could totally see them just thinking that indies wouldn't want to do physical media, and so they keep those numbers high because they just don't realize that they haven't cultivated that. There's not that history though. It is with, like you say, the Nintendo audience, right? Sort of like primed to want this on their shelf in a way. That an xbox indie player isn't really going yeah Mm. and and then an xbox probably realizes that too
3: it kind of makes sense because it just doesn't fit in with where they're going um they're very digital focused yeah Yeah. um their priority is xbox game pass for building those numbers it doesn't really make sense to them that they're sort of focusing on sort of physical things and then in terms of business stuff like on a financial level the sort of money we can provide to Xbox or even big publishers and platform holders is not huge. Oh, You sure. know, it, you know when we're talking about a 4,000 print run, we're saying, hey, you know, you Nintendo, you'll think this much or but it's, it's not very much really. Ah, um, yeah. yeah. Although we do pride ourselves, we are, we have, we are the most prolific physical uh, publisher in Europe.
1: Oh, let's go. For, mm. for,
3: for, for the Switch. <laughs> nice. Congrats.
4: Yes, <laughs> that's cool.
1: So there's that. Yeah, I guess now that I think about it. Even with Xbox, you know, they're focusing on digital only, but also a lot of the Xbox published games are intended to also be on PC. So, and like PC physical is all but dead at this point. Nobody has disc drives in their <laughs> computers yeah. except for me, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah like, the, I guess that really puts it in perspective in a way that I hadn't considered before. The,
3: you're right on the physical PC market as well. Like it's, um, it's, it's something we actually do have a physical PC product that we make, mm. um, which is a super mixed Mixtape. but the numbers are way lower and it is a much harder hill to climb. Yeah. Sure. Like, we do get asked sometimes like, would you do like proper physical PC releases? Developers sometimes will ask us, you know, cause when developers pitch to us, they they often are. You know they're saying, "Oh, I'd love to do a physical version of this," and they're not really too bothered about what the platform is. Yeah. Sometimes they'll outright ask, "Oh, I'd love to have like a physical PC release," and it's like, "I'm really sorry, the audience just it just isn't there. Mm. <laughs> it right, it, it right. just isn't there." There have been companies like us in the past, really awesome companies that did amazing, amazing stuff and had their heart and soul in it. And I've bought that stuff, and it's amazing. Companies like IndieBox that did physical PC stuff, and it, it, it's it's just not sustainable. Mm. Um, yeah, which really sucks. We do have a physical PC thing, but it's something a bit different. Uh, we do, we do a thing called Super Mixtape, which is my, my personal baby, hey. um, which is, it's like a, it's like a physical compilation of 30 indie games and some demos on sort of one thing. So it's kind of like a, a Mixtape, like almost like demo discs, almost like PC shareware discs of old, basically. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> because it's a bit different and it's sort of a compilation and this variety thing, I and mean, we only do at maximum four of them a year, that kind of works. But again, the unit numbers are still way smaller than what we're doing for Switch. Yeah, um, we're talking uh, the last one just came out fifteen hundred units, mm-hmm. and that won't be an instant sell for us. Um, whereas you know, Switch we can very comfortably do four, five, six, and not we'll have to think about it because
4: yeah. that audience is huge. These
0: these mixtapes speak to like something deep in my millennial soul (laughs) and I I think I need to spend some time looking at this not on the show because it's not like Ellen's therapy hour (laughs) just to let you know yeah this is super cool
2: Ah, thank you thank you you hit on that that sort of novelty like that the only reason you could even do a PC product like that is because it has something else about it Mm -hmm. that makes it interesting Mm -hmm. and I think that's I think about like physical PC games like that kind of retro box experience yeah. that m- is maybe for an older generation, and that's the kind of thing I think you'd have to do, a really deluxe, very retro kind of production.
3: Yeah, they'd almost all have to be collector's editions, big yeah. box editions. Of exactly of right, writers. yeah. The thing with the mixtape as well is we kind of we kind of do go all out, but that is one of the projects where we just break even. Sure. So, so literally, there literally literally isn't money in it. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's let's just break we pay the all the developers, which is cool, but not not a life change amount of money by any means. Right. We pay them a little bit. Um but it it basically just breaks even. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, that that thing specifically, that mixtape is more grassroots indie devs. Um so literally like itch.io devs. Mm-hmm. So we I, I will go and pitch the developers that have free games on itch.io that are made for a jam or something. I'll go, Hey, how about a physical release? And they're like what? Because <laughs> that seems that's not that's you know the, the smallest thing in their mind. Yeah. Getting Peggy ratings for those because we still have to get Peggy ratings for mm, that right. absolutely blows their mind. The fact that their free jam game has a has an age rating on it. Hmm. Um, that's cool. But uh, but yeah, that's just a a, a thing we do because we because mm. I want to do it <laughs> so so I can. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't add anything?
2: Well, I mean, it, yeah. these, the, if these these kinds of projects break even for you. I mean, that's but it also builds your brand, right? And that's that's useful sure. because a big part of the the appeal of 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 doing a release with you is that that's, that audience that you've developed. And I imagine some of these break even projects uh, really go towards that sustainability in uh, in, a, in a more long term kind of way.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah, I think that that that's a good point, really, because. Um, Specifically, I'll be honest, the core reason we did it is because I want to <laughs> obviously brand. obviously really brand positive stuff from that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if I hate to do this, but if I think about it in pure business terms, oh, we look quite good for supporting really small indie devs. And, and we do like, I've seen people, you know, we, we will pitch for actual physical switch games on those big tiles and they will bring this up and say, oh, my mate was my mate. It was really cool. That you guys did that. Yeah. So then we look like we actually care. Because we do, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I suppose if you were to look at it through pure business terms, that is quite good for our brand. Um,
2: yeah. Sometimes a, a PR of, move is good because it's actually a good thing you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's we do it because we want to and because it's a nice thing, mm-hmm. but actually, it benefits us as well. In terms of Switch physicals, it's a really interesting point as well because, um, this is a thing that sort of flies over a lot of our audience's head, but I think is important. But when we sign games, sometimes the price is different for, for, for our costs. Like mm. our costs incurred can be different per game, mm. um, and so the amount of money that we will make on each game can vary. Usually only slightly, but sometimes sometimes by a lot. And that's or, or, that's often if we're talking to a big publisher, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but we never change the price. Generally speaking, we, the price of our which games are quite consistent. Okay. Um, so there are a few games we'll sign almost for that brand purpose, where we go, okay, look, even if we don't make any money, this game being in our portfolio is really good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for using, using again, a short hike as an example, uh, that wasn't one where we broke even on, but using a short hike as an example, there are games since then where we're pretty certain we've signed because of that game, because that game is so influential with indie devs, it's
4: right, such, yeah, a, such yeah.
3: a huge game yeah. for indies um, that just them seeing that we did that is quite a big deal. Um, and so there are certain games, there's, there's one that uh, we haven't announced yet, but there's there's one way we're going to sign that is one of those where it's like, cool, we're probably only going to break even on this, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter because it looks quite good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, want to do it. You know, um, there are there are there are some games that, you know, I remember when I joined Super Rare, one of the first things that happened was George was asking me sort of what my as a collector myself, what my dream games would be to have physical. And it was like, cool, let's go get them. And it was like, oh, OK, Zig. <laughs> um, so sometimes it can just be that um, we still don't have sort of have my dream games. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> one, one day, one day. It'll one.
0: happen. It'll happen. Mm-hmm.
2: So those those differing costs could I imagine at the low end can probably be like uh, graphic design work that's that you do in house as opposed to being source developer Um, and and maybe different negotiated rates for the different developers and publishers you work with at the the sort of upper end. Um, uh, But what about porting? Do you do any in house porting? Do you uh, um, uh, farm that out, or do you only work with developers who? we'll have a switch port ready to go. Or or already have a switch port digitally.
3: Yeah, so I mean, for our for for our physical releases, obviously we have we have a digital publisher, for our own original games we deal with all the porting, we do oh, with yeah. all that good stuff. For our physical games, um we really are only targeting games that are already out on the Switch or okay. already planned to come out on the Switch. Okay. Because like, sometimes we'll sign it when they haven't announced a Switch
2: version that we know that they're doing it so. Right, so, yeah, that's so that's fine. gonna be given to you or handed to you. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, but currently we don't handle the, the point. We we kind of, we are that person that comes in late stage. We sort of see it as, we do come in late stage and we're just a nice extra bit of cash injection for a developer mm-hmm. for effectively no work. It's like, cool, here's some extra money for something you don't have to worry about. And also, here's 50 copies of a really cool physical game. Because uh, that's that's something else we do as well. We, set, we send some of the 50 copies. Um, that's usually what's in the, sort of the content, we give them 50. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a solo developer and it's like, I don't... I don't even know what to do with a box of 50 games. <laughs> um, which, is, which is kind of sweet in a way. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, it's it's already out of Switch or already coming to Switch. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I guess a lot of, it sounds like a lot of the, the, the logistical stuff and things happen on your end, but is there anything that developers should keep in mind were they to work with you um, to get their physical release to happen? Um, like, I mean, I guess during the negotiation Talking, figuring out how this works, like any any advice you'd want to give to, to developers um that they want to hear. Such as myself. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, what mistakes should um, they have made
2: by the time they get to you? Yeah. <laughs>
3: um I guess just pitch to us. Like don't be scared to pitch to us. Okay. It's a quite e- if, in term in terms of physicals and stuff, it's quite easy process. Obviously, please um don't feel too bad if, if, if it's a no, but we are quite good at just from that opening we'll we'll be like, I'm really sorry it doesn't work or the conversation will go forward. Mm-hmm. Um obviously again like we know our audience really well, so we know what kind of games are gonna are gonna sit well and, and that sort of stuff. But yeah, feel free to pitch. And we don't mean that the physicals, we don't mean you have to send a pitch tag. <laughs> um yeah. developers can very much just email us and go, Hi, I made this game. Here's a YouTube link. Wanna chat about a physical? It really can and often is that simple. Okay. Um literally every game we've ever signed has started off with an incredibly simple conversation. Mm. Um and the whole of the process is not particularly complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I guess just some contract heavy stuff. Like, we obviously don't own your game. We'll never own your game. It's, uh, that's not how it goes. Um, it is just here's some cash. Oh, great. Now we have a physical release. Here's 50 copies and people have their game in your hand. Isn't that cool? Um, there are some games as well where, uh, the physical version has sold more than it did digitally, which
4: is a bit weird. Oh,
3: um, where the developers actually made more from our version than digital, huh. those are a few, only a few cases, but some of the lesser-known games have been bought physically—that's been the case. Um, obviously, not in the case of Abzu, which sold millions and millions of copies. Only right. really, like yeah, five thousand units. Yeah.
4: Um,
3: but yeah, it t- tips for de- developers, I guess, just pitch for us like um, you don't really have to do very much, <laughs> <laughs> uh, except from preserve your own stuff, please. <laughs> preserve, preserve all your, preserve all your artwork and concept art and ah, um, yeah. everything. Hmm. Um, Again, like obviously we're a very preservation focused company. Um, uh, it is something that means a lot to me personally and to everyone here. Mm-hmm. Um, we give copies of our games to lots of different museums around the world. Oh. Strong Museum um, in New York, the uh, the Computing History Museum in Cambridge and a few different archival groups. So that's, that, that's something that means oh. a lot to me personally. And so I stress to every developer that we work with, um, physical or digital, um,
1: Please keep your stuff. <laughs> Please don't throw it out. It's, I it's, it's important. It's probably good advice in general. <laughs> Val- validates my data hoarding lifestyle. I'm
4: very pleased to hear yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's um that's I think that's really um relieving for developers, I mean myself included, uh, to hear. Because I think um I think a part of it. I, I started uh initially when we were coming into this conversation, I was starting to think of this as terms of like a, a publisher developer relationship. And they're supposed to be, you know, they're supposed to be working in, in tandem, but there's a lot of conversations and back and forth and a lot of interactions that sometimes don't go in the way that you want them to, and it's a little it can sometimes be um sticky, I suppose. Um, but it's nice to hear that if you if you wanna get a physical release, particularly with super rare games, maybe this is the case for other ones too, um, you it's a lot of it is just Quick conversations, just be like, "Hey, here's an email. what do you think of my game? This game works for us. this game doesn't work for us. Then we talk a little bit more. this is how much you make, and that's the conversation that's like really nice to hear because I think uh being an indie developer, there's difficult there's a lot of things you have to keep in mind all the time at once, and mm-hmm. just having that be like quick conversations mm-hmm. and stuff makes it really easy to to sign up on if 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 uh the relationship works, so that's good that's for good. sure.
3: I mean, to be honest, we probably wouldn't have signed half of our games if that weren't the case. Mm, mm. And so, it's so it's it's uh, for for a lot of the developers we work with, they've moved on to their next project. Sure, they don't really have the time to come back and start. You know, we wouldn't ask. Oh, actually, this needs patching. Like, like right. you know, we don't ask that. The, the The whole of the process is so easy for for from us. Anyway, I can't necessarily speak for if you're going to go for a physical retail release or anything. Mm. But for us, it's literally. A brief chat via <laughs> Twitter DMs usually, yeah. or email, um, and then sometimes, most of the time, although sometimes not, some, most of the time we'll have a quick call we we'll just explain to you about what we do, um, deal terms, you know, the other, and then we send over a contract. And the contract very simple; it's not, you know, it's, it's not, it's not very complicated. You don't really have to do anything. You don't possess anything. Yeah. Um, uh, And then we'd ask, really, is when it comes out that you tweet about it, maybe, or or post (laughs) about it. But again, that's not, that's not contractually obligated. A lot of developers just don't. Um, but we'd like it if you did. Right. Um, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sometimes we'll ask for art and stuff because every one of our releases has a full color manual as well to something collectors like. Yeah. So if you had, so, so if you know, if they've got any art around, we'll ask for that. Um, we can give them stuff for approval, like, the cartridge, we go, is this okay? Is that how you want it to look? The cartridge artwork. The artwork of the cover, the work of the trading cards and the mm. manual. Mm-hmm. Um we can we can pass that through devs for approval and any changes or comments that they want to make, which you think is nice. It's not we don't we just wanna just go ahead and just do it. Um, or, or some devs are happy with that. They go, Yeah, you just do it, we're fine, yep, yep, signed, bye bye. Which is cool. Um, but if developers do want to be part of that process and do want to sign stuff off, they can. Other than that, like there's really nothing developers have to do. Um, Oh, oh, give us the ROM, obviously. Right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Give it, give give us the game. But other than that, like it's it actually really is. um, It really genuinely is a very simple process
2: for developers to work with. They don't, they don't have to do anything.
3: Give us the ROM and your bank details, and uh, (laughs) see you later, kind of thing. Um,
2: I think key yeah. the key to that, too, is Stephen, you're describing like what other relationships are like. Yeah, this is this comes on, like, as you've described, after the fact. Yeah. So it's it's um, yeah. And that's partly what makes it easy is that, yeah, the game is done. It's ready. And, and the pitching process is a lot simpler because you have more to show when you're pitching to you as opposed to when you're trying to get a developer to, to fund the development of your project mm-hmm. so that that mm. I mean, all the all the reasons it should be easier. Uh, it seems like you've made a real effort to make sure that they are easier and that there's, yeah. and, and that's, I think that's really nice. And it, and it's I'm like, she was like a metaphor, like you're you're on your, this process is a little carousel and you're standing outside and you're holding your game up. And if, <laughs> if, if you at Super Rare want to grab it, then yeah. that's it. And that's it, right? Yeah. Like, it's just if, if both hands are outreached uh, right? and...
1: <laughs> they'll come back around if they need the rom later yeah you know? right <laughs> <laughs>
3: um but yeah that is basically i mean obviously like talking from an objective point of view the reason that we can have it be that simple is because it's so risk-free sure. like it isn't like a full-on publishing yeah. like our, our we're, we're, we're kind of equally kind of carefree and nice and passionate i think with our digital label mm. but obviously that that's a longer conversation there's more to discuss right it's on, bit, right it's a bit more hand- it, it is a bit more hands-on yeah um with our physicals like we know they're going to sell. I mean, and, and so there's, the risk is not really is not there. Like, especially because when we're selling games, it is usually that we've averaged to them, so there's no convincing needed. We mm-hmm. we we want that game, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it is, is a super simple process um, for the most part.
2: Well, you you for them. <laughs> you, well, you you mentioned it the the fact that you now do uh, actual digital publishing, which is an mm. entirely different beast. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And so maybe oh, yeah. talk a little bit about, about that transition and maybe how you keep those operations separate and what is the crossover like internally. Because um, it it's, a, it's a bunch of different muscles to flex to do that kind of oh, work, yeah. right?
3: Yeah, super, super different. Um, really very different processes, to be honest. Uh, yeah, so our digital publishing label came about, about a year ago. Mm. We signed um about ten, eleven games, announced six of them, um released one. So we're still quite early days really in, into 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 it with release one. Mm-hmm. Um but uh and that's uh, that's uh, that's you know digital publishing right. the, the usual shebang consoles and PC, not just Switch necessarily. Um but uh yeah that's a very different process obviously um but again we like to take I think we've learned the right things from how we do physicals and how that is very different from how other publishers maybe are and not necessarily taking on board, just doing stuff, how other people do it because that's how it's done. Mm -hmm. Um, We certainly have the experience there. We've hired people from, um, from, from other companies with lots of experience and obviously our own. And we have new, you know, multiple that are only working on this original side uh, of the company. But, um, yeah, super, super different process, but, but equally positive, I think. Again, we'd only sign a game that we are personally passionate about. Right. It doesn't matter if we think it's going to be the next Minecraft. If we don't like it, we're not going to sign it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think it's, and we think that's important to work both ways. Like how, what we've learned, I think, from the physical stuff. And again, cause obviously we talk to, we, because you know, we're talking around all the time, we talk to really every publisher and every developer because of that physical thing. So we've seen how others do it mm-hmm. and which bits we like and which bits we don't. Um, and so this is going to be hard to, to show uh, in, in audio form, but <laughs> we sort of see that there's a scale, there's, there's a power balance and how most publishers work right in that the publisher is sort of up here at the top and the developer is almost like below that, almost like the publishers, the boss, right? Mm. That's, that's how the power dynamic works in a lot of, of digital publishing. I don't like that. I don't feel good about that. Um, we don't like that. I personally, my personal background is uh, I was a journalist. I was a vegan journalist. I was one of these people that gave publishers a really hard time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was. I was often very critical of them, and um, and so that side of being ethical and doing things right and doing things positively means an awful lot to me, and I wouldn't let go of that for anyone, mm-hmm. no one. Um, and we all feel that way, which is amazing that I work with people that genuinely are are that way. And so for us, when we're talking to developers, um, it's almost like we're pitching to them. I mean, they'll send over a pitch deck and stuff, but but it's not just come tell us why you will benefit us. Um, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're the, they're the talent It's their game, you know, um, mm-hmm. we're just helping. Uh, so it's very strange how that power dynamic is going to happen historically. Um, so ours isn't like that. It's a very mutual exchange. It's a mutual pitch. We're, we're pitching each other. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying we're completely special in that way. There are obviously loads of amazing publishers that, that, that feel um, but, uh, yeah, so that's how we work. And, and oftentimes again, almost kind of how our physicals work. We're outreaching first. That's, that's uh-huh. how I think. Virtually every game, I think virtually every game we've signed on our digital publishing label, we have outreach it, mm-hmm. and it can be as simple as we saw a GIF of it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do, uh, do use hashtag screenshot Saturday, by the way, devs. Um, <laughs> ah! Publishers are are absolutely watching.
4: I knew um, it.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: We are, we, we hundred percent are, um, we, uh, we, we, and many other publishers, uh, you, you know, whether we use Slack or teams or whatever, we literally have a channel called cool projects. where We just share the ones we see that we think are really cool. Yeah. And then we'll sort of discuss it. Oh yes. Yeah. Let's see oh, that works. Let's reach out to them. And so yeah, that sort of stuff absolutely works. You would be surprised how many games get signed by posting gifts on Twitter. It's mm-hmm. quite crazy.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but, uh, often it's that, and then we we'll outreach to them on, on Twitter at the end. to be like, oh, I love your
4: game.
2: Very similar to our
4: physical pictures. <laughs>
2: Interesting that that's your mode in both the your physical side and and the digital publishing side, and the fact that you you in a year you signed ten games that way that that sounds kind of high volume to me for it for especially a new publisher yeah and I wonder if that do you is that essentially you want to develop a similar cadence to not every game is going to come out on schedule especially as you're you know you're part of the development process now but is that your goal for the digital publishing arm is to publish as many games digitally as as you're releasing physically on that same schedule even or at least that uh, many no. a year <laughs> <laughs> no definitely
3: def, def, definitely not definitely not i think i, I think that they need um uh, i think that it's such a different process and requires a lot more hands-on mm-hmm. that it would be almost it would be irresponsible for us for us to look at it that way currently mm-hmm. with because we're still a small studio there's including the shipping team less than 30 people. Okay. Um, so, and, and you know, a good portion of that is the gym team. So we're still small. It would be terribly irresponsible to do that. Um, no, really we probably are looking at about, I don't know, maybe four digital releases a year, mm-hmm. it, sometimes fewer, sometimes more. Um, it's just that obviously we've bulked up for the book. Yeah. You know, when we yeah. Started, it was late 2020, We sort of had signed up to sort of the late 2022 kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
5: Um,
3: but, uh, but yeah, that, we're not really looking at the, the number that we have is not important or how often we're releasing necessarily. It's just about projects that strike well with us. And if we have the, the money at the time that works, then we're interested. Mm-hmm. Um, when we announced our publishing label, we announced five games. We've only announced one more since then. Mm. Uh, but I think coming out the gate with five games was quite, I mean, it was really quite an interesting time because we announced and and again. Totally varied games. They yeah. all look so different. They're all totally different genres, totally different visual styles and, uh, well, totally different budgets to be honest. Oh, you know, uh-huh. sort of some, some really small games, um, some mid range games. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that shocked people when, when we boom, came out the gate with that and it was like, whoa, uh, most publishers don't come out and just announce, boom, five games off the bat like that. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I think again, like. Because of our physical business, because we're already talking to everyone, developers and publishers, um, that really benefited us. In that we've kind of already mm-hmm. doing that groundwork, already talking to a lot of people already.
1: So what's next for super rare games? Um, you know, you you got a publishing label. You're you're kicking it in the physical space already. Yeah, in um, a
2: steakhouse or
4: something. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you've got super this sustainable stacks. model going,
2: and, and but you're still, as a company, doing new things. So that's it, it is very. I'm very interested to know if you're like, we figured out what we're doing for the next couple of years and we're going for it, or yeah. we've got three more
1: ideas we're going to launch in the next few years. Like, did wh- you, where are you at? Did you say super rare steaks, by the way? <laughs> I said super rare snacks, but you know, you've got a business idea right there as well. Um,
3: limited edition. Limited edition. <laughs> only 3,000. Um yeah, I guess, I guess um, we, it, it's interesting because we want to expand, but you want to do so in a way that works for our audience. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, we can't ramp up the number of physical switch releases we do because it will outprice people. Uh. Like, the, literally we, we get so many offers, we get so many, um, uh, pitches. We pitch to so many people if we wanted to release a hundred physical switch games a year. We literally could. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd have to hire some more people, but but there'd be enough games for us to do that. Um, but we don't because we really like that. I think where we're at the moment is really close to the maximum we can do. Okay. Because even though a minority of our audience are full set collectors, uh, we don't want to fully price them out that they have to just stop. You know.
4: Ah, uh, um, yeah. Okay.
3: And at the moment, about thirty thirty something games a year. Like, can't really do too. You know, can't
4: really
3: do too many more than that. Right. Um. So we're kind of expanding in, in, in other areas. Like obviously we'd like to increase the unit size, the unit numbers of each game. Like if our audience is going to grow, instead of doing 4,000 as our minimum, we could do 5,000 as a minimum, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't like, obviously other platforms are our, our potential as well. It's not something we're, 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 we're doing currently, but it, um, you know, it's, it's, open for the future. Um, and then little projects like the NX8 and, um, some other bits and bobs as well. Um, for us, like, the main area of growth is probably our super originals, our, like, digital publishing label. Like, that is, that is where, um, a lot of our internal focus is on those sort of original games and being involved in those games from the start to end kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I guess we are talking about sort of financial growth, then is sort of that area that would do that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if in the future that super originals is like big, big and we're releasing some cool indie games that are selling millions and millions of copies, the physical stuff is always going to be important to us because it is something that is personally important to us. It's, it's not going anywhere unless, you know, Nintendo Switch two comes out and it doesn't have a physical cut. Oh,
5: <laughs> oh, um, but,
3: uh, but for as long as it's humanly possible, we'll be doing physical releases basically. And, uh, why well, you should tell people they go, what will you be doing in, on the, you know, the physical study of business, what will you be doing in 20 years when CDs and cultures are going to go. I will hope they will have a USB port. <laughs> we'll do something <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um. You know, we'll 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 always be uh fighting that fight. I think going forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. So I guess some up what what do we have going in the future, more cool games, yeah. more cool physical games. Hey. Um. You know the ways we can expand are like you know having more skill books, having more collector's editions, and that sort of thing as well. Um. Really, like oh, I suppose I would say this, <laughs> but really, genuinely harmed for next year's lineup like it is insane i'm like it's crazy the sort of games we've managed to sign um really 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 excited i mean we just recently announced actually um fast rmx mm. uh, which we're really proud of because that's a that's a switch launch game that came out on the day the switch came out yeah. it hasn't had the yeah. physical yet and um that has been years in the making mm. we have been talking to the publishers behind that um shine N for years, literally years. That conversation has taken a long time as some of them do. Yeah. Um, so really proud of that and some really big stuff coming next year. Uh, so that, and then, you know, our digital games will have quite a few of those out. Uh, I'm sure next year and beyond as well. Um, some ones we haven't announced, which are really exciting. And personally, I hope to be doing more mixtapes, more, more of those by babies. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, aiming from, for next year to sort of refocus on doing some themed ones. Oh. Um, which, might, which might be quite interesting. Maybe like a like a spooky Halloween-themed one or something, which is just horror games. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so lots of stuff, lots, lots of cool stuff,
3: lots of more physical games, lots of more indie games, just just lots of indie love, basically. Yeah, awesome.
2: More of what you've already been doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So other than Screenshot Saturday, uh, <laughs> how can uh, developers uh, who want a, a game out with you in 2024 or further um get in touch
3: literally as simple as if you want you can just pop into our dms if you're on twitter um so i am toads anime on twitter or obviously super rare games is at super rare games um you'd be surprised how many deals we've done over twitter please don't feel scared to just pop us a dm you don't need to be over prepared um we are really quite casual and if we need something we we'll just ask because we're cool like that um but you can also email us um uh, Oh, gosh, I think it's my game at Games.com. I think I might be wrong. Um, <laughs> do check on the
2: website. The Sounds like Twitter DM is the preferred. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll put all um, the links in the show notes so people can find them there mm-hmm. uh, cool. as well. Cool. But that email address is
3: good if you're going to sort of do a cold sort of just send over the full pitch deck thing. Yeah. Um, but really, we're, we're, we're super easy. Please do feel free to contact us in any way that feels right um we don't check the facebook messages very often so maybe not there <laughs> but but twitter or email nice
0: cool that's our show for show notes and links for today's conversation go to our website nicegames.club. visit us on twitter at nice games club where dale tweets about game dev resources and simple tech migration
1: <laughs> sure that, that's the thing <laughs> yeah i doubt it <laughs> It's a good gift, y'all. It's <laughs> pretty funny. just empty Twitter feed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: we like hearing from you, so tweet back or email us. Contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff. Sign up at patreon.com/nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, stop by nicegames.club/discord and say hello. Lots of really cool conversations over the last couple of weeks, and and some some of the audience giving us some flack but that's the fun part (laughs) next week Mark's going to talk about icons and logos
2: it's going to be great it's my favorite stuff
0: (laughs) he's going to make it sound cool (laughs) but that's it for this week
2: so until we start again remember to play nice
0: and make nice